On today's show, I will ask one very simple question. What is the ceiling of Patrick Mahomes? Before we get there, I want to examine one reason why gambling should be legal everywhere on planet Earth. Saturday night, college football, big game of the day. Penn State at home against Auburn. I'm taking Penn State minus six. I came across a tweet earlier today from Matt Brown about this game. It's only the third time that a ranked SEC team has visited a ranked Big Ten team when both were in the conference at the time. Joining 2011 Alabama at Penn State, 1965 Georgia at Michigan. It's a historic event, people. I bet Penn State twice so far this season, and their defense has treated me very, very nicely in both games. Six-point underdogs, week one against Wisconsin, 16-10, outright win, and cover. Week two, Ball State, 22.5-point favorites, cover, and a win. Both games, their defense overwhelmed both offenses. And I'm a big believer in the very simple saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This game will also feature one of the stranger phenomenons in sports. How excited everyone in the crowd gets if they're all wearing the same color of shirt. Penn State, known for the whiteout. You put an XL t-shirt out on the stadium seats, you throw it on, everybody's wearing white, and they get even more excited than normal. You get hyped, you freak out, it's going to be there Saturday night, and we have our reason why gambling should be legal everywhere, so I can win money on Penn State, minus six against Auburn, and use those dollars to purchase that exact same XL t-shirt that makes every single fan look like the Michelin Man. And now, Sports with Chris Rawl. It was very early in the career of LeBron James that everybody understood he was going to be an all-time great. Comes into the league as a 19-year-old, scoring 20 points a game, does not look out of place whatsoever. Spoke to a larger pool of promise that he could tap into and fulfill. By LeBron's third season in the league, he's averaging 31 points a game, 7 rebounds, 6.5 assists, over a still and a half a game, and nearly a block per game. Uh, Me, a person who is very intrigued by him as a rookie, and I'm getting on the LeBron train, and I'm trying to contextualize what this guy is to the league in present day. How does he match up against these other players like Kobe or Tim Duncan or the players that were great at that time? And then as time goes on, and you start to realize this could be an all-time great, then you start to contextualize them against history. So in his third season in the league, he's already balling out, leading the league in scoring, all that kind of stuff. There's a moment in the 2006 playoffs that's one of those, again, on the resume of all-time greats, there's all types of moments that jump out and say, this person's different. 2006 playoffs, Cleveland's playing the Washington Wizards, series is tied 2-2, game five, LeBron hits a game-winning layup nearly at the buzzer to win by one point. Catches an inbound with three seconds to go on the clock, knifes through a bunch of defenders, gets to the rim, puts it in, game over, Cleveland up 3-2, end up winning the series. In that game, LeBron has 45 points, seven rebounds, six assists. I remember watching this game vividly and thinking, okay, the ceiling on this dude keeps getting higher. Even the next season, 2007, uh, I think, again, it's one of those all-time moments. Eastern Conference Finals, 
Game five on the road against Detroit. Detroit, kind of the big bad boys of the Eastern Conference at that time. They'd won a title. They'd made another NBA Finals. Series tied 2-2 in that game. And LeBron goes in, and he scores the final 25 points of that overtime win for Cleveland, which ends up propelling them the next game to the NBA Finals. And as I'm watching it, I'm going, okay, I'll ask the same question I asked last year during that Wizards game. How does the ceiling keep being raised on this player? It's when you get that feeling of this is not just one of the best players in the league at this time or even the best player in the world at this sport in this given time. You start to go, what is this guy against everybody who has ever played this sport? You felt it in moments like that and you felt it even more so as time went on with LeBron. These moments start piling up over and over and you keep wondering as you watch, what is this dude's ceiling? And the answer that we've been given with LeBron over the course of 15 plus years, it's pretty much unlimited. That's why now in present day, he's being talked about as one of, if not the best basketball player that has ever played the sport. Now, I bring this up in the midst of football season for a specific reason. Because I very rarely watch a player and get that sense. I watch them play over and over and go, I can't fully contextualize the ceiling of this player. It seems like it might be unlimited. In football, at the quarterback position, I have felt that for one player until very recently. That player is Aaron Rodgers. Talked about him a million times on the show. All of you know that it's my favorite football player of all time. Uh, The moment for him, it was in the 2010 playoffs against the Atlanta Falcons. Packers, they're going on the road. They're seven-point underdogs. Falcons, number one seed in the NFC. Great team all season long. I don't think Green Bay is going to win, but I'm also just going, eh, we're playing with house money. We had to win the last two games of the season just to get in the playoffs. And we went on the road and beat Mike Vick and the Falcons in the wild card, or Mike Vick and the Eagles in the wild card. And here we are against the Falcons. And in this game, Rodgers just burns everything to the ground. Green Bay stomps Atlanta into oblivion. For that game, Rodgers is 31 for 36 for 366 yards, three touchdowns through the air, and one touchdown rushing. Uh, It's still to this day for situation and level of play. The one game I will point to in Rodgers' career and go, it's just impossible to get better than that. I don't care who the quarterback is. You just can't play better than that. Packers go on to win the Super Bowl that year. And coming out of that season, and especially into the next season, as the Packers go 15-1 and and Aaron Rodgers wins MVP going away, it felt like, all right, moving forward, anything is possible with this player. And to a certain extent, that kind of proved to be true. Because I would argue on an individual level, Rodgers' career has been an unmitigated success. He has provided us with some of the most unique and breathtaking play that the football world has ever seen. On a team level, that's a whole other discussion and one that I don't necessarily feel compelled to get into today as I talk about individuals and the ceiling of the individual. For Rodgers and the team, okay, that was the lone Super Bowl win. A lot of people have argued that because of the lack of team success, now as an individual, we can consider his career a failure. I always push back against that, but it's kind of the case study of 
what happens when a player with a, a seemingly unlimited ceiling hooks up on a team with a clearly defined one. Again, a discussion for another day. Today, it's all about the individual. And I bring up LeBron and I bring up Aaron Rodgers, my two favorite athletes of all time for a specific reason, because they are two players, two of the only players in any sport that I have watched and I felt that really rare feeling of this is an individual with an undefinable ceiling when it comes to their ability to play this sport. Today, I I talk about both these people because I felt that feeling recently with another player, a young and incredibly talented quarterback in the NFL who is already the best football player in the world right now in present day compared to the rest of the league. And I'm starting to try to contextualize him in the grander scheme of time because he also has a ceiling that seems absolutely limitless. Patrick Mahomes. Now, when you trace the career arc of Patrick Mahomes, it's very strange, but also very interesting in the context of what we know in present day to remember Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech, where he played college. I'm a very big college football fan, and I say this as somebody who follows the sport closely. It's really hard to separate players from schemes within that sport, especially at colleges that have a very clear identity that is established for years or a lot of times decades at a time. Texas Tech, when Mike Leach comes in there 20 some odd years ago, they establish a very clear identity. We are going to throw the football all over planet Earth. We are not going to play a lick of defense. We don't care. We are going to get in a shootout every game and we'll trust that we can outscore you 60 to 55. That's the brand that was established at Texas Tech under Mike Leach and pretty much has continued into present day under a plethora of other coaches. At the time, with Patrick Mahomes, it's Cliff Kingsbury, who's now coaching the Arizona Cardinals. And at Texas Tech, Mahomes plays for three seasons, and his stats echo Texas Tech quarterbacks of the past. Throws for over 11,000 yards, 93 touchdowns, 29 picks, Fantastic numbers. Uh, But again, as is the case in college, it's always a struggle to try to separate player from scheme. Trying to understand, is this player different from Texas Tech quarterbacks of the past? Cliff Kingsbury, his own coach, who was one of those gunslingers at Texas Tech, or Graham Harrell, or go down the list of all these other Texas Tech quarterbacks that put up ungodly numbers in this system? Or is there something different about this specific player? Uh, It's very hard in the moment to try and understand that. Even for NFL front offices that are paid millions and millions of dollars and have incredible amounts of brain power at their disposal. Probably why Patrick Mahomes ends up being drafted 10th overall in the 2017 draft. Because you can watch unlimited amounts of film and bring this person in for workouts. And still, it's really hard to understand, is this person different from the college players that were there before him putting up similar stats? Probably also one of the reasons why Aaron Rodgers slips to 24th in the 2004 draft because he was coached by Jeff Tedford and there was a lot of questions about Jeff Tedford's quarterbacks translating into the NFL. Somebody like Kyle Bowler who was great in college and then just flamed out in the NFL. We've seen a theme of this over and over and over and over over again. How do you separate the player when they're in college 
in a clear scheme that has been there for all of time. How do you separate that and how does it translate to the NFL? So Mahomes, when he's at Texas Tech, he's fighting this battle. Ungodly stats, plays that jump off the page. I remember watching him a ton and just going, I don't know if this guy's different from or from uh, Graham Harrell and from Cliff Kingsbury. He plays the position very differently. I don't know if that translates to the NFL. I'm not that smart. But it's very, very, very fun. Just the gunslinger in every possible sense of the world. At Texas Tech, however, Mahomes goes 13 and 16. Uh, truly a testament to how much a quarterback's surroundings can negate their impact. Think about that. Patrick Mahomes in college had a losing record. Patrick Mahomes, who in present day, just everybody agrees, this guy, he's just special. So we're watching him at Texas Tech. And every week, Texas Tech is just involved in all of these incredible, fun, offensive football games. And Mahomes is running around and tossing it around and doing all the things that we know Mahomes can do in present day. Um, And in retrospect, again, I'm not smart enough at the time to identify this in real time, but in retrospect, one of the games that we can look at and say, all right, this is one of those moments that I mentioned earlier with LeBron and with Aaron Rodgers. One of those moments that you watch and go, what is it about this dude that's different from people in the past? 2016 Oklahoma against Texas Tech game. It's been written about a lot because the two quarterbacks in that game have faced off a bunch now in the NFL, including this most recent Sunday. Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes. In that game, Oklahoma wins 66-59. to Mayfield's coming back to the place that he used to play at, Texas Tech. He left with bad blood there, kind of a flame out. Everybody's booing and making fun of him. He throws for seven touchdowns in the game. He's strutting all over the yard. The two teams combined for an FBS record, 1,708 yards of total offense. One of those crazy, crazy Big 12 shootouts that you see every so often and you think, this is an incredibly fun college game, but you also are unsure how this talent on the field will translate into the NFL. On the other side, the dude who led an offense that scored 59 points and lost, Patrick Mahomes, who was playing with a separated throwing shoulder and fractured left wrist in that game. He accumulates an FBS record, 819 yards of total offense, 734 of those through the air. Uh, We didn't know if this game was going to be that crazy going in. I think a lot of people had an inkling just because we know how high level of these offenses were. And as the game started, the college football world always hones in on a certain game that's getting crazy and we all just watch it and everybody's freaking out on Twitter. This was the game at that time. Mahomes tossing bombs, running around the pocket, Mayfield doing the exact same thing on the other side. Very, very, very fun offensive college football game that, again, this is in retrospect, but you got a little glimmer of it at the time. It spoke to something special about both these quarterbacks, but especially the guy on the Texas Tech side who seemed like he was just moving heaven and earth for his team to even be in position to try and win the game. So Mahomes is drafted 10th overall in the 2017 draft, as I mentioned. This was interesting at the time too, because the Chiefs and Andy Reid move up to pick him there. Andy Reid has an incredible past with quarterbacks. Seems reasonable to assume that guy has an eye for the position. 
and an ability to coach it up to be the best version of itself. So when the Kansas City Chiefs, who are already a successful team at that time, already have a reasonable quarterback there installed in Alex Smith, they're making the playoffs. They don't necessarily look like they need a quarterback. When that team is trading up to pick a quarterback, your ears start to perk up because you go, hmm, I watch a lot of football, but that guy is infinitely more smart about the game and the position than I am. So if he feels compelled to trade away valuable draft capital to pick this guy that a lot of people think might just be a system gunslinger, that means something. As I mentioned, Alex Smith is the quarterback of that team at that time. So Mahomes is able to come in and sit for the vast majority of his first season there in 2017. First 15 games of that season, he's sitting there. He's watching a very good Kansas City Chiefs team play football. Team that goes 10-6, and make the playoffs, lose a total heartbreaker in the wild card against the Tennessee Titans by one point. Alex Smith has one of the best seasons of his career under center. 67.5 completion percentage, over 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns to five interceptions. Uh, Got a bevy of skill talent at his disposal. Kareem Hunt explodes onto the scene as a rookie week one of that year against the Patriots. He finishes with over 1,300 yards rushing. Tyree Kill's there. Travis Kelsey is there. You know the drill. Kansas City Chiefs with Smith under center. They averaged 26 points per game that year, six best in all of football. And lest we forget, Andy Reid there, the offensive mastermind, scheming up stuff. So Kansas City has clinched a playoff berth going into week 17 of that year. And it's a perfect time to trot out the rookie. Patrick Mahomes, you're getting the start. Week 17, on the road against Denver. A meaningless football game in the grand scheme of playoffs and all that kind of stuff, but a very meaningful football game in the sense of what will this rookie look like installed into a team that we already know is good with an offensive brain behind him that we know is very good. So I'm watching that game because I have interest in that sort of stuff. I really like watching young quarterbacks and being able to get a greater sense of, all right, Is this guy just a system gunslinger or is there going to be something more there for Mahomes in the NFL? His counting stats in that game, a game that Kansas City ends up winning. Nothing spectacular. He's 22 for 35, 284 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. However, watching the game, you see the flickers. They're not the full-fledged moments of this is going to be somebody special, but you see flickers of that promise. You see flickers of what Andy Reid looked at and said, we're willing to trade up and pick this guy 10th overall in the draft. You see arm talent. You see an understanding of the quarterback position. You see just an ability to play quarterback at at the very least, what seems like a pretty reasonable level. And if that's your first start as a rookie, well, it seems like there's a lot of promise that you can tap into. So the Chiefs lose against the Titans. We go into the offseason and they part ways with Alex Smith. Andy Reid turns the car keys over to Patrick Mahomes. Here you go. Offense, all yours. Your second season, you started one game. Some people think you're a system quarterback. A very select few think you could be an absolute superstar. And most are in the middle, like me. I go, I know this guy can be fun because I watched him at Texas Tech. What that means in the NFL, we're going to find out in the 2018 season. Um, and what ensues is an offensive explosion. Starting week one, 
against the Chargers. Chiefs pound on him, 38-28. Mahomes throws four touchdowns, no picks. He's winging it all over the yard. (laughs) I remember watching that game and going, all right. Seems like he is not a system quarterback in the truest sense of the term. Now I'm going to start reassessing what he can be on this Kansas City team. By season's end, he is the MVP of football. He throws for nearly 5,100 yards, 8.8 yards per attempt, 50 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. One of the greatest statistical seasons that the sport has ever seen. And from the get-go of that season, the arm talent is almost incomprehensible. Very rare feeling when it's paired with just a strange ability to be accurate at the same time. Two very conflicting things. Taking risks, winging it all over the yard, chucking it downfield, but not turning the ball over with regularity. I've only ever watched that with one other player. It was Aaron Rodgers. That combination of elusiveness in the pocket, an understanding of when to bolt, when to run for 20 yards, when to manipulate the pass rush and roll out and then make an incredible throw rolling to your right or rolling to your left, all of that stuff. And then in Mahomes' case, in that season, what happens when you can also be boosted by the scheme and the talent around you? It was an incredible union of quarterbacking ability, first and foremost. And then pairing that with an incredible offensive system that now every conceivable play call is unlocked because of the talent of that quarterback. I think that's something that's not necessarily forgotten, but it's maybe pushed aside. That when you have a quarterback who can make every conceivable throw from every conceivable angle, it expands your playbook tenfold. Normally, you can't call a rollout left and expect a right-handed quarterback to throw it 50 yards downfield on the dime. That's one of the benefits of having a talent like Rodgers or Mahomes. Andy Reid can take that and go, well, I already have an expansive playbook when Alex Smith is my quarterback. And now we can flush that out even more because the arm talent of this guy is simply off the charts. So by season's end of that year, they lose a heartbreaker in the AFC title game. Overtime, New England Patriots. D Ford famously lines up offsides on the final drive of regulation for New England on what would have been a game-clinching interception from Tom Brady. If he does, Kansas City's in the Super Bowl and they're presumably winning that game. Instead, nope, redo. New England scores, gets the ball first, goes down, scores a touchdown. They're moving on to the Super Bowl. Kansas City's going home. But still, when I'm talking about individual player by season's end of 2018, I'm already starting to understand, okay, this is the MVP of football. Already one of, if not the best players in the league at age 23. And now I'm starting to zoom out and get a greater sense like I did with LeBron and like I did with Aaron Rodgers and starting to try to understand what is the ceiling of this player relative to the history of this sport. Following two seasons, uh, we get more of the same from Mahomes, the incomprehensible quarterback talent. 2019, over 4,000 yards, 8.3 yards per attempt, 26 touchdowns, 5 picks. Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs, storm back from 10 down in the fourth quarter against the Niners. Mahomes is doing Mahomes things in that quarter. Crazy throw on third down to Tyreek Hill, zipping it here to Travis Kelsey. 
you know the drill again. Last season, over 4,700 yards, 8.1 yards per attempt, 38 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, another Super Bowl appearance. In this one, completely shut down by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the worst game of his career as the offensive line in front of him simply could not hold up after three season-ending injuries to their starters. Quick reminder, even the best player in the world needs help. We saw that in the career of LeBron James for years and years. Saw that in the career of Aaron Rodgers, pretty much the entirety of it. And that game, specifically, a great reminder even for somebody like Patrick Mahomes. These all-time greats, even those players need help. However, I promise this would be a discussion of individual players. So I'll continue on in that same vein. Into present day. 2021. Uh, Only his fourth season as full-time starter. That's also an incredible thing to think about. Because it seems like he has been around for so long and so good that we're 10 seasons into his career. This is only the fourth season that he has been a full-time starter in this league. He is unquestionably the best player in football. Last Sunday, Kansas City, they open at home against the Cleveland Browns. Game that I've talked about a decent amount the last two episodes of this show. That masterpiece of an offensive game plan from Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. They're leading every step of the way into the fourth quarter. As I'm watching that game, I get the same sense that Nick Saban has brought to the sport of college football. That feeling of inevitability with Alabama. You can keep them down for a quarter or maybe even two. But sooner or later, they will squash you. And Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense exudes that. That exact same feeling of inevitability. They can be down by eight touchdowns. I don't even care. And I'll watch the rest of the game because I'm always sitting there thinking, I know that this guy's talent is virtually unprecedented. There are very few people who can play quarterback in the history of this sport like him. And I know this offense can be so explosive that till the clock ticks zero, I'm really not giving up on their ability to generate 80-yard touchdowns eight times in a row. So with 10-24 to go in Browns-Chiefs, Kareem Hunt scores for Cleveland. Browns are up nine. And I'm just sitting there waiting. All right, I know this game is a far cry from over. Chiefs get the ball, and it's one play, 75-yard touchdown drive, if you want to call it a drive. I guess for Kansas City, it amounts to a drive. Patrick Mahomes catches it, runs around, rolls out right. Tyreek Hill, he's screaming downfield, single coverage. John Johnson, the Cleveland safety, actually great coverage on him. Mahomes just wings it. Not necessarily a great pass. If you want to give him props for it, it's probably just the balls of looking and saying, I'm going to throw it up and trust that Tyreek Hill is going to make a play. And indeed, Tyreek Hill, probably the most electric skill position player in football, makes a play. He adjusts, sees it's... Vastly underthrown on his backside. John Johnson's running, trying to stay in front of Tyreek Hill, which is a task that I would wish on no man. And he overplays it. Tyreek Hill stops, catches it. 75-yard touchdown. Mahomes just running all over the field. That sense of passion that I also love from him. He's dropping F-bombs, pumping his fist. Arrowhead Stadium's going absolutely bonkers. All of this is happening because Mahomes knows what all of us are feeling at home. Um, If this offense is healthy, you can't hold us off forever. 
Same feeling as Saban and Alabama football. Can only keep us down for so long. Cleveland gets the ball back. The only time they go three and out in the game, punter botches it, can't hold a snap, runs around, gets tackled. Mahomes trots right back out. 15 yards is all that's needed. He finds Travis Kelsey for game-winning touchdown. Um, (laughs) Travis Kelsey runs, it seems like the same route, 20 times a game. Runs in a straight line, reads his defender, cuts in, cuts out, and you can't stop it because he's not coverable to begin with. And Mahomes, he can thread a football through the eye of a needle. Touchdown, Kansas City. They go on to win the game by that margin, 33-29. For the game, Mahomes, he's 27 for 36, 337 yards through the air. Three touchdowns passing, one touchdown rushing. So many plays within the game that fall into that category that I've seen with LeBron for a long time, that I've seen with Aaron Rodgers for a long time. Uh, Just incredible high-level plays that happen with such regularity that if you're not fully paying attention, it just seems almost mundane. Whether it's his touchdown rush, where he's rolling out right, and it seems like he's running on land and the defense is trying to run on ice because he's pump faking and then throwing it this way. Nope. I'm actually running through three defenders. I'm parting the Red Sea like Moses. Or that Tyreek Hill touchdown pass where he's just throwing it 75 or throwing it 50 yards in the air for a 75-yard touchdown. Again, not necessarily a great pass, but just a play that as you're watching, you feel bad for John Johnson because you say, how do you defend this? This combination of Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes or even... Michael Hardman or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. doesn't really matter. Just how do you defend anybody with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback? So as this week has gone on, even during this game, after this game, as I've thought about football the last three days for this show and just for my own perverse pleasure, I'm continually sorting out my thoughts on Patrick Mahomes. And all of these spectacular plays that just seem so casual. Again, very rare. Same feeling with LeBron, same feeling with Rodgers, but a very rare feeling that comes as a sports fan. Uh, One that just, you look across the field on Sunday and go, how could Cleveland play such a great game and then in seemingly the blink of an eye, lose the game? Because that's who's on the other side of the field. Patrick Mahomes. And so all of this stuff, as it's percolating in my mind, it's kind of an ongoing thought, an ongoing discussion with myself. And I'm sure one that other football fans are having as they watch this dude play each individual game. Uh, And I keep coming back to this same question. One that remarkably still has not been answered in over three seasons as a full-time starter. What is the ceiling of Patrick Mahomes?